does the mic make me look like I have lost a lot of weight? I feel like I'm a hamster in a hamster cave. <laughs> like you're trying to drink some water mm-hmm. yeah. above me. Because we have these new boom mics that we're trying to get used to. Well, you can lower it. I did. Well, I have to, if any lower, I won't be able to see my screen. But I was just sitting here like, I feel like a hamster and I don't hate it. <laughs> <laughs> First world problems. Give me one of those for the bedside table. That'd be handy at night. Just leave your your dog would be like, Dad has finally lost it. She wouldn't drink it, though. There's no ice in this. I can't drink that. I've spoiled her like Grandma did Spike. Like, she likes ice water and her nighttime begging strip. And, and she won't drink water unless it's from the cup. Yeah, well, she will drink out of her bowl. But the other night, she was whining, and I couldn't figure out why. And I walked through the kitchen, and her water bowl was empty. I was just like, oh, bless her heart. How long has it been empty, my poor baby? I was reminiscing. She's five now. So last night I was like, oh, my sweet baby, I've had you for five Christmases. And then I noticed she was like covered in something. It was ham. She had gotten all over the ham and stuff. I was like, oh, great. Bad dog. Yeah. And you said that she's so spoiled that when you are opening your gifts, Yesterday or was it the day before yesterday? It was yesterday on Christmas. I was opening them and she was watching me with like an angry look in her face. And she walked by me and the whole day was completely fine, had done nothing. And she looked at me and then started limping like to her cage. And then normally she'll go to her cage and stay there. But she came back a few minutes later, limping the other direction and then jumped on the couch just fine. I was like, do you want to come here and help me? (laughs) This is a chihuahua for those who are listening. She's a good chihuahua. She's not mean like the other ones. She's not a bad barker either. A lot of people hear the word chihuahua and they think barkers. I don't put up with barking. I'm like, she doesn't like loud noises. So when she barks, I always make like real quick and she's, oh God, it snaps her out of it. Right. Well, let's get into our topic. Since you started last time, why don't I start this time? Great minds think alike. I, was thinking <laughs> I will try not to say Jesus as much this one. Like it's, we're not at church today. So yeah. So <laughs> we'll address that. So what's funny is last time was the first time we recorded for this podcast, clearly. And when we were listening through it, Josh had said Jesus so oh many God, times Jesus. that when we were listening back through it, he just, of course, made so many comments about how often he had said that. So, well, it was. In my mind, I was not saying Jesus. I was saying, like, cut it off when right. talking about Jared. But my filter, it comes out like, oh, someone you know might take offense to that. So it comes out as, oh, Jesus. Well, and also we have to mention that we were raised with by our grandma. And so we always heard that. Oh, yeah. Growing up. And with know. everything. We're from a bless your heart type of family. Right. Bless Southern your heart Baptist. And- Pray to Jesus. But anyway. Praise him. Anyway, so my topic, Josh and I have no idea what what either of us is going to be talking about. So he has no idea what I'm covering, and I don't have any idea what he's covering. So my topic starts the lovely Twitterverse. Oh, God. I know. There you go with God again. Oh, you. Jesus. Oh, again. <laughs> I'm not him. Christian either. I'm more PTL, spiritual. PTL. <laughs> they indoctrinated it into me at such a young age. Right. It's like embedded into my personality. 
But anyway, so this all started from Twitter because I follow Leah Remy. Leah Remy. Le- Leah Remy. King of Queens. Yeah, Leah Remy. I know her. Yeah, yeah. So she, of course, as you mentioned, she starred in The King of Queens, the CBS TV show. That ran between 1998 to 2007. Good friends with Michelle Visage from RuPaul's Drag Race. Oh, I didn't know that. I could see it, though. She has a large personality. On that show, she starred with Kevin James, who a lot of people know as Paul Blart, the mall cop. I've never seen that. I refuse. (laughs) What I don't like about Paul Blart is just I hate when fat people are shown as like you only can be on TV if you're funny. Right. Like you're a joke. Yeah. And good for him for making money, but they do that. I don't care to watch it myself. I feel your pain. See a gay man in a movie nine out of 10 times. He's the effeminate, you know, flamboyant, stereotypical where we're more made to be a joke versus an actual person. That's a good point. Josh, what type of gay person are you? Uh, I vary depending. Sometimes I'm <laughs> very depending. Well, sometimes like if I'm going out shopping, I might, depending on where I am, appear more masculine than I really am. Mm. Because to me, that's a defense mechanism. Not in a, I'm afraid that somebody's going to do something. It's a, I'm afraid of how I'll react because I know I would survive prison but that doesn't mean i want to right and we live in rural indiana yes so i get that so anyway back to the king of queens so leah starred in the king of queens that's how a lot of people will know who she is she also had a documentary out did you ever watch this documentary parts of it i struggle with scientology because it gave me ptsd from our upbringing where Mm. i was like i I can't watch it. Just a lot of religion. Yes. Yeah. So her documentary show was about her time in Scientology. She talks to a lot of people who were in Scientology. She co-produces it and is a host of the series. The show is called Leah Remy Scientology in the Aftermath. And the show ran from 2016 to 2019. I watched all of it. I binged it when I was really sick. And it's like you, when I first saw that it was coming out, I was like, okay, I've had enough of this religion, especially from any listeners who follow foul play crime series. The other podcast I have, my longest series is on sister Kathy's case, which involves abuse of priests in the, in the Catholic religion. And the continued cover up of it. Right, right. So I've had enough of this religion from the Baptists to the Catholics. So when I saw the Church of Scientology, I was just like, I have no more time on my plate right, for any no. of this religion talk. I understand it. And I don't watching the Golden Girls. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Golden Girls and Friends. That's what my life's about. But anyway, so I was sick and it came on and it was like, you should play this. And I was like, yes, I'm sick. Let's watch it. And immediately I was hooked into it. So I watched all of it. It's a really good series. When I first started watching it, it just is mind-blowing. Everyone that she talks to and what their stories are. A lot of their stories kind of remind me of the people that I've talked to for Sister Kathy's case. Not because they're people who are saying that they were sexually abused. As in the case of Sister Kathy's case, dealing with the Catholic abuse and the cover-up. But you're dealing with a lot of people. There is a very large institution. And powerful. Very powerful with a lot of money. And it involves their beliefs and their religion. 
And it also involves an institution who doesn't want to lose power or lose followers. And they want to always police themselves, which is always like this thing that I see with religions, which is always some BS. If you see something wrong, contact the police. Do not contact the institution. Right. Because they will like, cover that's, it That's up. a whole not a, like, not a thing. They're like, we're not paying taxes. Don't you tell anyone. Right. We're a church. We're well, and also, like, if I were to get robbed by Joe Schmo on the street, I'm not calling Joe Schmo's parents. Right. Or his family. Do you know what he you did? You know, I'm calling the police. And that's what you should just do across the board well, don't call any organization just what i saw of her documentary i mean they were even policing the police because even the police and isn't it los angeles where lapd yeah yeah everybody's in their pockets over there yeah and that's where this mystery is going to come from i also do want to mention that i learned throughout this process that leah has a podcast also called scientology fair game I've heard bits and pieces of it. Yeah, I didn't even know she had the podcast until I started looking into this. But as I mentioned, this all comes from this tweet that Leah had sent out. So Leah sends this tweet on November 11th, so just over a month ago. And the tweet goes out, and I'm going to read the tweet. It's pretty long, but it's going to lay out what this mystery is that I'm covering today. Before I get to it, though, I'm going to tell you my topic and my topic is the possible missing person case of Shelly Miscovige. I know exactly who you're talking about. Yes. And I've looked up how to pronounce her last name three or four times. (laughs) I'm probably saying it wrong. Please don't at me or email me if I'm mispronouncing it or if I mispronounce it later on. We come up from a family who pronounces fire as far. Far. So don't judge us. Right. Yeah, we are from the flatlands of Indiana. (laughs) And anyway, so Shelly is a possible missing person case. Shelly is the wife of the current leader of Scientology, and she's not been seen or heard from for more than a decade. And I had never heard of her, didn't know anything about her missing person case at all until this tweet. And I didn't even follow Leah on Twitter. I just, this just popped up. I have since her and Michelle co-hosted the Wendy Williams show. And so that kind of rejuvenated me on Leah. Michelle who? uh, Visage. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. They were both co-hosts and I'm a fan of Michelle's for years and I have been of Leah's. I haven't watched her since King of Queens. All right. So this is the tweet. It starts out and this is all Leah saying this in the tweet. Many of you know about Shelly Miscavige. The wife of Scientology's leader, David Miscavige, who has been missing for over 15 years. Well, I have got hell of an update for you. And I'm going to tell you that in this next tweet, there's two men. They're holding a check for $20,000. And Leah continues in her tweet saying, meet Corey Polka, a 34-year-old vet of LAPD and a longtime captain of the Hollywood division. Corey was in charge of the division where I filed my missing persons report into the disappearance of Shelley Miscavige. Here, Corey accepts a check from Scientology for an LAPD charity. Here's where things get interesting. Corey is now being investigated for providing confidential investigative information to top CBS executives, which begs the question, 
What investigative information has he provided to Scientology over the years? In 2013, after I left Scientology, I filed a missing persons report with the LAPD Aunt Shelley. By the time I filed the report, it had been nearly eight years since I had last seen or heard from Shelley. At Tom Cruise's wedding to Katie Holmes in 2006, I was shocked when Shelley wasn't with her husband, David Miscavige. Tom's wedding was dubbed the wedding of the century in Scientology. It was the most critical event for top Scientologists. Shelley was always with her husband. She was his shadow, not only because she was married to him, but also because she was his top aide. For her not to be in attendance was not only unusual, but also unimaginable. When I asked where Shelley was, Tommy Davis, Tom Cruise, and David Miscavige's henchman told me, quote, you don't have the effing rank to ask about Shelley, end quote. I was subjected to months of cruel interrogations and reprogramming for the, quote, high crime of asking where Shelley was. How dare she? I, I know. Well, and they talk about high crimes in the documentary, and they kind of explain what that is. And this organization really tries to do their own policing and tries to do their own programming of people. So high crimes is a way of, if you're doing something they don't like, high crimes is their way of labeling it as something that you did that they really don't like, and you need to fix it. And you have to remember most of the people in Scientology, all of your family and friends are in Scientology as well. So your punishment, if you don't fix it, is you're going to be dead to all of your family and friends. So you better be fixing it. Similar to the Amish, how if you choose not to live your life as an Amish person, you're, you know, banned from the community and your family. Yeah, and they're no longer allowed to contact you. I think I view their the high crimes as just their version of the word sin. You know, right. if it was Catholic, it'd be, oh, this is your, you know, human sin that you've done. Right. My letters to Shelley had all gone unanswered. I couldn't reach her by phone either. So when I left Scientology, my first goal was to try and find Shelley. I filed a missing persons report through a friend I knew at the LAPD. Hours after I filed the missing persons report, the case was closed, and the LAPD announced to the press that they had found Shelley. This news was released first to the press, not to me who filed the report. I learned about all of this from the media, not from the LAPD. When I asked if detectives had spoken to or had seen Shelley themselves, I was told that was classified by the LAPD. I was told to file a public request if I wanted further information. I spent $50,000 in attorney fees filing various requests. My requests for information from the LAPD were shut down. I still don't know anything about the circumstances of this investigation. Scientology has always done a great job at integrating itself with law enforcement, despite being experts in obstructing justice. Scientology hires off-duty LAPD cops as security and donates to LAPD charities, all while instructing their members never to help any criminal investigations involving Scientologists and making it a high crime within Scientology to report Scientologists to law enforcement. When I met Corey Polka, about Shelley. He had a letter on his desk thanking him for all of his help with Scientology matters 
in inviting him to come to have lunch as a guest at the Celebrity Center. I was so alarmed by Corey's closeness with Scientology, I even offered to personally double any donations they had made to LAPD charities if he wouldn't accept any donations from them. Corey was incredibly dismissive. Take a look at these emails that Corey exchanged with Scientology officials. Look how helpful Corey is to Scientology. Look how friendly their relationship is. So what she does is she ends up getting access to some of the emails between this captain for the LAPD Mm -hmm. and with these officials who are in the church, and she posts these emails. Okay. And I'm going to explain to you what a couple of the emails are. I read, like, when she tweeted this, she's one of the few people I follow on Twitter that's clean. (laughs) (laughs) I remember when she tweeted this, and, you know, that's, how I know mm-hmm. anything about it. Cause I'm like, wait, how's this lady gone missing and nobody's done anything about right. it. So in one of the emails commanding officer Corey Polka is writing to Lisa Alexandra or Alexandri. The name is spelled with an R E at the end. So I'm not sure if it's Ray Alexandri. I don't know hmm. who is in public affairs for Scientology media productions. Corey writes, thank you, Lisa. We need you on our team. This can be a very difficult occupation, but it's more than just a job. It's the people that need to be cared for. Thank you for caring for us at Hollywood. And then Lisa replies, Captain Polka, we are 1000% on your team always. Smiley face. My Lord. Yeah, this is a captain at the LAPD. Right. And then Leah continues to tweet. Oh, I hate this. I know. <laughs> that nerves fuman. Corey even assigned a particular detective who could personally handle Scientology's complaints. He also agreed to help introduce them to the Detroit chief of police. So in another email that Leah posts, Captain Polka is reaching out to a police chief in Detroit on behalf of the Church of Scientology, which is super shady. Like, why is he in any way, shape, or form helping this organization? Exactly. You know, that's, it's just really weird. Because they'd like to meet with that chief in Detroit in regards to opening a new church facility, again, in Detroit, Michigan. Well, that's where one of the cases I covered on a previous episode of my other podcast, the Shrine of the Little Flower, is a Mm. Catholic church that was started in Detroit. So Detroit kind of has like a, it's a little bit of a, unknown to me, a religious hub Oh, wow. It gets, you know, Canada as well as America. Yeah, that makes sense. And then the third email is Corey letting a contact at the church know that he has an officer available to them to contact directly to document any incidents that the church would like to report as threats. And this is specifically because that night, the second season of Leah's show was coming out. Okay. So the Church of Scientology doesn't like that her show's coming out. And this captain at the LAPD is giving them a direct detective to report anyone who they think might be saying things that they don't like. (laughs) Like, they need to go through the same channels that everyone else does. I don't understand. Churches just don't like questions. Apparently. follow blindly. Well, and apparently if you donate enough money, you can just have your own officer that you can just. (laughs) I mean, that's the way of the world. You have enough money, you kind of get to do what you want. Yeah, it's just crazy to me. But anyway, so Leah continues in her tweets. The LAPD Lieutenant Andre Dawson, the detective in charge of my missing persons report into Shelley Miscavige, 
also has a cozy relationship with Scientology. Here he is speaking at Scientology's Celebrity Center at an event about human trafficking. And then she posts a photo of him at the event at the church. Corey Polka also allowed Scientology to set up a, quote, informational kiosk at the LAPD Hollywood Division. Luckily, it was inside the building. Yeah, inside the building, the government building. Yeah. And I think that because of the amount of backlash, it wasn't there long. Yeah, it was. They had they had taken it down pretty quick. Separation of church and state, especially (laughs) when they're using taxpayer dollars in a public building. Like what? And then Leah continues to say an investigation must be opened into Corey's relationship with Scientology and the LAPD's interactions with Scientology overall. And the LAPD must not attend Scientology events anymore or accept their funds. Where is Shelly? So I see all of this and like, you know, this just sparks my interest because immediately I'm like, why is this woman missing for 15 years? Like anyone outside of the organization, her friends that should have heard from her, haven't heard from her in 15 years. Well, and even Lee is the only one that came forward. Like her other friends, not right. even, well, she's missing. Well, I did find throughout my research that there was a second missing persons report filed by someone else they're now missing but (laughs) well no i can't figure out who filed the report i know it wasn't leah so i don't know who did that report but i think it may have been around the same time even but the lapd is very very not forthcoming when it comes to this right and maybe it's because they're afraid of legal backlash or whatever the reason is but they backlash losing their funds from scientology right. all kinds of factors right so i see all of this and so i immediately tweet <laughs> i tweet to leah and so i tweeted and i said let's find out let's create a podcast season together and then i also included a gif or a gif whichever one gif i, a, I call it gif a gif okay all the kids, they're changing the names, and we didn't have I've, I've heard people we call it GIF and, you know, whatever we want to call it. Anyway, I posted this automated image, whatever, of Keith Morrison from Dateline. Do you know who that is? Barely. I can kind of picture him. Yeah. So, I have it with him raising his eyebrows, which, like, he's a famous person, like, true crime, you know? So, like, hmm. it was like... Hmm. Mm-hmm. If you do ever work with her, I better get to go with you. I will not embarrass you, but well, a lot of people wonderful. A lot of people liked it and were commenting on it and stuff. You know, and they're like, "Oh, you guys need to do it. You need to do it," and all that stuff. Well, then my curiosity spiked because this fake account responds, and they respond with this propaganda video, like so bad that you would think that it's Kim Jong-un from North Korea. You know what I mean? Like (laughs) horrible propaganda video. This fake, I mean, beyond fake account tweets back just saying Leah is a scam artist continuing to spread a hoax. And they share this propaganda video. Say the same thing about Scientology. So I was in a mood when I saw that because I was like, "How?" Di-? first off, I cannot stand when people hide behind a fake account. Like, you know, I've been in podcasting since January of 2014. Been doing this true crime podcasting for a long time. I cannot stand people hiding behind fake accounts Cowardice. and tweeting at me, adding me. And especially when you are trying to 
say or accuse someone of something, but you're using a fake account to do it. Exactly. So immediately when they're trying to say that this woman is trying, but you're using a fake account to do it. So that immediately made me mad. So I immediately tagged Scientology. (laughs) You know, what do you do? Go to the top. Straight for the big guns. Yeah. Shane in a mood is my favorite version of Shane, by the way. Well, and you know, so I go straight to the top. I remember like my face getting hot. You know how it is. Your right. face gets hot. You're like, uh-uh, boo-boo. Calling Tom Cruise. Yeah. So <laughs> I should have tagged him too. So I tagged Scientology, their Twitter account. And I said, at Scientology, if you're going to share a video, at least do it under your real account and not a fake one. <laughs> and then I used another GIF. That's what you called it, right? Sure. A GIF. Sure. I might be wrong, though. I mean, I'm. we are in our 30s. We don't know. Right. Well, I'll probably call it something else in a minute. But anyway, of Keith, and this time it was him saying, whoa. <laughs> so He's coming at Scientology with gifts. I yeah. Mean, I love it. I yeah. love it. <laughs> and so the people were liking it and, you know, retweeting it and stuff. And so rather quickly, that post gets a comment from another weird account, right? Mm-hmm. And the, the other weird account is called Freedom Media Ethics. Those and now they go together. No, and their description, this is what their, their Twitter description says. It says they are taking a resolute stand against the broadcasting and publishing of false information. And then they share the same video that the other fake account shared. And... When they shared it, they said, okay, how about this? So they said that in response to me tweeting the Church of Scientology telling them to quit using fake accounts. Right. So, okay, Scientology, I get it. <laughs> so this account is clearly being ran by the Scientology people. I the get lower, it. That's how you get inducted. You got to run the Twitter for a few months and then you move Yeah, and so the they're using the name Freedom Network. Media Ethics to try to use some language that makes it look like they're trying to do something that's ethical, but it's just, it's some BS. So they share this same video and the video was actually uploaded, I found out, by another account called Hate Monitor and their description says, we monitor and expose discrimination and bigotry, whether by anti-religious extremists, which is a, <laughs> okay. They calling me out. <laughs> anti-religious extremists. Now, I've heard of a lot of extremists, but I've not heard of the anti-religious extremists. I'm, I'm, I'm getting there. Right. <laughs> Anti-Scientologists or irresponsible media who give them a platform. And so that's who uploaded this stupid video thing that this other account from Scientology. I'm just going to say it's Scientology because. Well, I mean, why else would anybody? Yeah. At this point, I know exactly what's happening. Scientology has these departments. They have these people running these different social media programs. And it's all to discredit anyone who speaks out against them. They're in the media capital of the world. Basically, they own media. And they're trying to use language and they're trying to appear underneath accounts that make them look like they're legit and yeah, no one's falling for it, Scientology. (laughs) But anyway, I was in a mood, right? So Scientology's response to all of this. And by this point in time, I thought... Wait, before... Allegedly. Allegedly, Scientology. right. (laughs) Right. So by this point in time, I was like on the cusp of 
about to turn this into like a 10 part foul play series just because I'm getting, I'm getting angry, Mm -hmm. you know, but anyway, don't test us anyway. So Scientology's response to all this, this tweeting thing from Leah is this is an international hoax effort to incite harassment and hatred towards Scientology, which that entire language right there matches all of those accounts, like the fake one and the other two accounts, the language itself, whoever wrote that tweet is probably the same person or the same group of people who wrote the description oh, for sure the other accounts. I'm sure they have a list of, you know, generic responses to things. Oh, similar. yeah. I mean, well, you have to. And then they tell you, browse the LAPD PIO profile on Twitter for their recent statement about refuting their host. I couldn't even find anything about this. The LAPD PIO profile has like less than 2,000 followers, if that. Like, it's just a small, tiny profile on Twitter, probably ran by Scientology. I mean, all the followers are Scientologists. Right. It's not even a verified account. You can't tell if it's real or what it is. It's just a really weird account that's tiny. It's just very weird. So it all begs the question, what happened to Shelly? So what we do know is that she was last seen publicly in 2007 at her father's funeral. Now, prior to that, I found some reports that said that she hadn't been seen for a while up until that point in time. But at her father's funeral, that was the last time anyone has seen her outside of the organization or that anyone has been willing to admit to. Okay. How long do you know from her father's funeral to Tom Cruise's wedding when Leah noticed that, you know, she wasn't Um, in shadow there? Tom Cruise's wedding. It's been so long. I can't even remember. Katie, bless your heart, honey. You put up with so much. It was a number of years. Okay. I was just curious if it was like a week after or, you know. 2013. Okay. Yeah, 2013 is when Leah submitted her missing persons request. So it was a long time after she was seen. But when you learn about Scientology and Leah and the other people who are in that show talk about this, when you're in it, you are taught and you go through these different reforms on how to be reprogrammed to stop asking questions. Mm -hmm. So until she got out, she probably wasn't in a place where she could go report her missing. Exactly. You know, I know that even Shelly's assistant who will later say after Shelly disappears, her assistant and the other assistants are told that Shelly is not in need of their services anymore. The assistant, in order to flee, she ends up hiding in someone's trunk in order to flee. So in order to get out for a lot of these people, they have to come up with these very in-depth ways to get out. They can't just decide, well, I'm going to leave and I'm just walk out the front door right. and just I mean, walk out. You disappear like this woman. Right. So Shelly was last seen like I mentioned publicly in 2007 at her father's funeral. I know even watching older episodes of King of Queens while Leah was still in Scientology, it, I watch it through different eyes than when I did, you know, as a oh, child. Because yeah. I'm like, my God, it shows how good of an actress she is to be able to play <laughs> that role while going through literal brain reprogramming right. in Scientology. I just, it baffles me that 
the strength of people's character to be able to not only survive something like that, but to be able to be mentally sound afterwards. I think one of the things that shocks me about Scientology is how much it costs to be in it Mm -hmm. and to progress to the different stages. Like you have to buy a bunch of things and you have to buy your way through it. So it costs you all of this money to get through it. So if you don't have the money, you basically aren't going to get through it, which is what you need in order to get to your whatever you have to get to. But they want those people because, I mean, you're the one, you know, you'll be the valet or the, right. the housekeeper or et cetera. So I think in order to have a good understanding of what could have happened to Shelly, it's important to know a little bit about her background. Her real name wasn't Shelly. She was born with the name Michelle. And of course, people sometimes call Michelle Shelly. I would never accept that if my name was Michelle. <laughs> well, we knew a Shelly, and we didn't like that name. <laughs> her middle name is Diane, and her last name, which was her maiden name, was Barnett. She was born in January 18th, 1961. Now, I found that she and her sister, this wording is kind of weird to me, but they were left in the care of the founder of the Church of Scientology, and this name always gives me kind of the heebie-jeebies when I say it just because I'm afraid of, like, the consequences of saying it. Mm. L. Ron Hubbard. Okay. L. Ron Hubbard. Yeah. I'm going to make sure. I'll say it. <laughs> don't, yeah. don't be afraid of straight boys, ladies. <laughs> so, Hubbard was, of course, the founder of the Church of Scientology. The language that was used to describe her being left in his care, her and her sister, I don't think that they were raised by him. I believe that as a religious figure, they were left as like he was there. He paid for the housekeeper who raised them. Rich people don't raise (laughs) them. No, 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 no. (laughs) No, that he was more of like their mentor, like that their parents were, you know, very devoted and devout. I think that might be the same thing. I have no idea. Brainwashed. Right. But they they were very into the Scientology thing. And so they were very close to Hubbard, Shelley and her sister. So most of her childhood, Shelley was on Hubbard's ship, the Apollo. And at the age of 12, she and other teenage girls helped take care of Hubbard. Shelley was described as sweet and innocent and... Oftentimes, people said that she was thrown into chaos, and it's not really clear what all type of chaos they're talking about, if it's chaos of her childhood or if it's chaos of the church that she was trying to help cover, you know, work through. Shoot, we have both of either one. (laughs) But what we do know is that she was pretty loyal to Hubbard, but it was also said that she didn't fit in very well with the other girls that she worked with who were a part of Hubbard's inner circle. At the age of 21 in 1982, she married David. David would go on to replace L. Ron Hubbard when he died four years later in 1986. And of course, as I said, that's when David took over the Church of Scientology. Okay, But I think it's also important... A lot of people who may know about Shelley's disappearance, they know of her being the wife of the leader, but not only is she the wife to the leader of the church, she is also in her, in and of herself, an extremely high ranking member of the church of Scientology's elite sea org. 
I was going to ask, that made me think, how are men and women treated in Scientology? Are they as equal or as like in our religion that we grew up with, are women, you know, you're made of man, so you'll always be lesser than man? You know, I don't know that I could answer that, but I do know that there seem to be a lot of high-ranking women. Okay. But I know that the accusations against her husband, David, as the full leader of the religion— there were a lot of accusations of people who have firsthand experiences that share this experience. So I'll say allegedly, but they are very open about this, not only in the show, the documentary, but they're p- very public about their firsthand interactions with him. But they will say that he is very violent, that he's very demanding of what he wants, and he will attack you physically if you do not do what he wants. So like a four-year-old. Basically, yeah. Yeah. So all to say that when you have a religion, it may appear that women and men may have the same power in the same hierarchy. But when you have a man in charge of all of it, who is in absolute power, no one can really speak to that. You know, no one can challenge him. Right. No one can speak against him. So I just I remember as a child, that was one of the first things that started in my questioning of yeah. religion was when I was taught that men can be teachers, but not yeah. preachers. And women couldn't vote. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, we're that not that point. old. Right. What are you talking about? <laughs> no, they couldn't vote in church. Okay. I yeah. was like, what? we no. are only 30. What are you talking For Shelley, she was a high-ranking member of the Sea Org. This specific organization is made up of the church's most fanatical members. These are members who have signed contracts, and this is very weird. I mean, not just as someone who is not a member of the church, but also as someone who has heard a lot of different religions. Like, this is just weird across the board, but they have signed contracts that will hold them to a billion years of service to Scientology. So, I mean, when we talk about Shelley not being seen for 15 years— then you have to like think about this contract that she had signed with this organization who might say, well, she had a contract with us that she's ours for a billion years. You know, like, okay, come on, calm down. Read the fine print, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) Always read the fine print. So until 2005, Shelly and David went to every meeting and every social function together. And then after that point, David started attending everything without Shelly. And everyone started mentioning that Shelly's demeanor was changing. She started acting what people describe as anxious and suspicious, which this is all things that people describe as, you know, before a woman leaves her husband, Mm -hmm. you know, and someone who's been in the true crime world for a long time when someone goes missing, they always look at the husband. And this is behavior that is always very suspicious. Right. So the fact that people are reporting her missing, her friends, who she's been in contact for a very long time, have reported to the LAPD that this is very unusual behavior, that this is possibly a domestic issue where the evidence could show that she might have wanted out, but could be in a very unsafe situation. The fact that we also have these emails showing that the captain of the LAPD and someone who was in charge of the missing person case had constant communication with the very church organization 
who does all of this work to discredit anyone who talks about or asks questions about Shelley's disappearance. But not only Shelley's disappearance, if you question them at all, they'll come at you. Mm-hmm. I fully expect us to have some negative reviews oh, yeah. or negative tweets or comments from they these fuel my life. <laughs> bring them. These fake people who are going to try to come at us just because we're talking about a, an organization. Come but, at me and tell me how much ruining a Scientologist's day will affect right. me. And, I mean, <laughs> but I think it's important, though, because with any organization, there has to be oversight. And we go to police and detectives when we think that someone might be in trouble. And one of the troubling things about this is that she was reported missing. The LAPD have never said or never confirmed that they saw her in person to confirm a wellness check that mm-hmm. she is safe and sound. She's okay that they've met with her in person when she's not around, you know, in a domestic violence situation, you meet with the person, whether it be a woman or a man, get them out of the situation and make sure they're okay. And, and make the sure police came to mind when my ex and I broke up, right. they sent them over to my house for no reason. But I mean, they just, yeah, they call it swatting. They, Broke into my bedroom, like busted open the bedroom right. door. I'm sleeping like, oh, you know, at first I was like, two policemen in my room. Thank you. <laughs> Dream you know, come oh. true. And then one was a woman and then I was disappointed. <laughs> Not She wasn't, you know, she's very kind and nice, but I like Audis. <laughs> <laughs> but for this, like, it just blows my mind that they've just treated this missing person case just so horrendous. And that there's not more of a separation between the LAPD and this church organization, especially when it comes to this case. Right. Those officers and detectives, because they do have a relationship with this church organization who people are questioning because they could have some wrongdoing here, especially the leader of the organization may have had something to do with her disappearance those officers and detectives should have recused themselves Mm -hmm. or they should have asked the FBI to come in to do the investigation. Exactly. And I'm a firm believer of any time a law enforcement agency, if there could be a question on, even if that agency can be involved or if there could be a question on a relationship for whatever means, the tiniest fraction of us as the public not having the full trust of that investigation, they need to recuse themselves. They need to ask another organization, whether it be the FBI or another body to come in and do it. It's just what you need to do. Mm -hmm. Step down LAPD. And if they find out that Shelly has been in this bad situation for this long, I fully believe the LAPD should be held responsible. Oh, exactly. And every person involved with the communication, with mishandling the case, they all should be held responsible. I just have no tolerance for it because I've spoken to too many family members who depend on those detectives and we, as a society, just depend on them. We have to depend on them. We and, pay them too. Don't forget that. Yeah. But, but more than that, like for Shelly, like if she is truly in a good place where she doesn't want people to bother her, the least they could do is go there, do a wellness check for themselves. Exactly. And that be it. She is alive. She does not wish to be, you know, yeah. any communication and distortion. Yeah. But the fact that the LAPD just has all of this crazy 
it seems like they had, they made a quick phone call to someone and they're like, oh yeah, she's fine. Okay. I believe you. Thanks. It was probably a, an email. I have a theory. It was a quick email they from snail captain. her yeah. in the post office <laughs> from the captain to his friend. But anyway, so let me get back to the story because there are some other things that I wanted to bring up. So I mentioned the last time she was seen was in 2007 at her father's funeral that's the last time anyone has publicly saw. I mean, for more than 15 years, no one has seen this woman. Half of our lives. Yeah, like 15 years. And anytime the media will question Scientology on asking, hey, where's Shelly? Where's she at? Why is she not being seen? Like they have these events that every Scientologist are required to attend. She's not there. Where is she? Like, As you said earlier, she's one of the highest ranking right. women. But it's just weird that she's not there. And it's also weird to me that just no one from the outside world has had any contact with her. So she's not gone to these events. She's not been contacted. And she has all of these friends who express their concern for her. And none of them have been able to get in contact with her for more than 15 years. I mean, and a woman of her age, she's not even going to the doctor. She's not getting no, you know, a pap right. smear or anything. So for Scientology, when the media reaches out to them to ask them questions, they'll immediately make their attorneys respond. And their response is always deflecting to... Leah is a liar. You need to look at this video. She wants and these, attention. Yeah, and they have, oh my God, they have created the most propaganda website. Oh, yeah. I imagine, like, it is, what are those little magazines that you can find that are, like, super shady and, like, they have oh, all this. Uh, like Elvis's ghost. Yeah, tabloids. yeah. Tabloids, yeah. So, it's, it's just very tabloidy. Like, it's just, it has all these, like, Images that are very tabloidy and well, that's, titles that are tabloidy. That's and, the go-to, especially when a woman comes up against somebody. Like, yeah. oh, she wants attention. She wants money. She's right. S-L-U-T. I don't know if I can say yeah. that. <laughs> and that's exactly, that's everything that they have put on this website. And in the videos that they've created, they make it look like they are just happy-go-lucky group who are just doing god's work and smile they have this demon woman who can't keep her mouth shut but anyway like i mentioned it's important to note the lapd has never acknowledged that they have met in person with shelly and in fact when leah questioned them on this when she filed the missing persons report and they told her they've talked to her and she was fine she wanted to reaffirm with them that they met with her in person to confirm that she was okay and that she was a good place. Mm-hmm. And they would not answer that question. And when you do not answer a question, that's your answer to the question. You know, No responses or responses? Yeah. Now, a former LAPD detective stated, quote, I and many other detectives believe that the investigation was very poorly handled and the LAPD fell way short on this one. So there are many, it seems, LAPD detectives at the time when the investigation was happening who believed that they didn't do their job. And it sounds like they didn't do anything for, besides maybe an email, quick phone call, or text message. Nothing else was done. Right. So there are many accounts of David lashing out 
physically at other Scientologists, even people who were close to him who get out will talk about how he has physically done things to them or he has physically had other people do things to other people. In Leah's series, there's one man who comes out and confirms that he was one of those people who did things, a fixer, basically, Okay. for David. And he... Is this con- the mafia? Basically. You're trying to stay in power, and you have a lot of money, apparently. So there are compounds that this church apparently has, and so some people believe that she might be being held at one of these compounds. One of them I found is called the Twin Peaks compound. Now, the last point I want to make is this weird thing. I mentioned that she attended her father's funeral. That Mm -hmm. was the last time she was publicly seen. Well, I found this article from when her mom died. Her mom was found shot to death. She was shot in the head in 1985. And this is the article. On September 8th, 1985, she was found dead at the age of 52 from a shot to the head from a Ruger 1022 rifle. Now, you probably don't know what that is, Josh, but it's a, a big it's a rifle. Yeah. People don't normally use rifles to shoot themselves in the head. Right. They're for hunting. Yeah. So there, it's also hard to shoot yourself in the head with a rifle. Yeah. You're, most people use their foot when they yeah, do that. It, it's kind of difficult. There's a lot easier ways to do it. <clears throat> the body also had three rifle shot wounds to the chest. You can't do that to yourself. Right. One surface wound, one through a breast implant and one that passed through the left lung and fractured a rib. There were also three superficial slash marks on her wrists that were identified in the autopsy report as possibly having been a few days old. Despite the multiple gunshot wounds and the unwieldy nature of the weapon, her death was ruled a suicide. According to one former member of the Sea Org, David Miscavige said of Flo's death, which is her mom, of Shelly's mom, and I'm not going to say the B word, I'll say the B word. Okay. That B got what she deserved. That was his response to her death? Yeah, his mother-in-law. Now, I get a lot of people don't like their mother-in-law, but you don't say that when your well, mother-in-law I mean, he just is confessed killed. there. I mean, she got what she deserved. Suicide isn't punishment. That's self-inflicted. First of all, people who commit suicide... They don't tend to try first to shoot themselves in other areas. Right. I mean, with three in your chest, like, and you still have enough gumption and strength in your body to shoot yourself in the head. Like, like what? With a rifle. So, I mean, like, you're injured, bleeding, and then you're still going to be able to maneuver yourself to shoot yourself in the head. From what I know of rifles, they only hold, like, one or two shots, I believe. Yeah, I couldn't tell you about this She's going to have to be reloading. (laughs) (laughs) Hang on, let me pause my suicide and reload. Right. Didn't do it right. Right. So, just a lot of of shady stuff is happening around Shelly. And so, all of this to say... There's a mystery happening around the Church of Scientology. And if they didn't tweet at me, we wouldn't be covering this, but they tweeted me and I got mad. You did it to yourselves. Yeah. And just a little warning, Scientology, if you're listening, you tweet at me again on this, it's going to be turned into a 10 
maybe a 12-part series on Foul Play <laughs> Crime Series. Don't at me. And remember, Shane's the nice one. Right. I might sound nice and lovely, but I will come for you. I, I'm the six foot nine nice one. And I'm the mean one. <laughs> right. I love that because people don't expect that. They see you and they're like, uh-uh, I ain't going to mess with him. And I'm like, I'm the one you need to worry about. I'm well, cut you. And the funny thing, I was like, okay, so for our first one, I did the whole subway pedophile and i was like that's true crimey so i was like well for our next one i won't do true crime but then they added me (laughs) and i just was just like well i'll wait and then i was like nope mm -mm." i'm not they they add me again in that stupid second video and i was like okay i'm not i'm doing huge on conspiracy theories but i do believe i'm one of those that i believe that there's a link between scientology the illuminati x and the government and etc with all these you know there's a reason these people have been in power for so long and my thinking is too i'm not saying this is right i'm not saying i agree with this but generally when a white person especially of wealth goes missing the police it becomes a top priority to them. And for a top woman in this organization with her money to go missing and nothing to come out of it. And it also makes me think, you know, is this ringing any bells with anybody else in Scientology? Because, oh, look, this woman who's the top of the top went missing and nobody's asking no questions. Same thing could happen to me down here at the bottom, you know, Mm -hmm. except nobody's going to be asking any questions. Right. Well, and like I mentioned earlier, the people who worked for Shelly said that at some point after she was last seen, they were all told that she just no longer needs their services. So very weird, very odd behavior. Shane and I magically come up mysteriously disappearing in the next few weeks or months. You know why? <laughs> we're probably going to be held in a compound. I ain't going quiet. <laughs> guarantee. They probably tricked me with a, pizza part of some kind <laughs> got some crystals and houseplants in this van josh come on over okay or we ha- have a big hairy bearded man in here okay all right you that's got enough me. said we tricked you through grinder <laughs> <laughs> that's how they get me uh-huh. uh, can host dom top two feet away okay sure yeah i'll meet you in the garage okay darn no <laughs> get in the back of the van all right I'm not a teenager anymore. I've told you yesterday at Christmas, I'm in my 30s. They have to have a house. You know, none of this. I have a garage or a Walmart parking lot. No, I am 30. You need to have like some kind of memory foam, (laughs) a blanket. All right. So what is your mystery? My mystery, I thought similar to you. I was like, last time I did some monsters and supernatural creatures. Did a supernatural creature at you on Twitter? No more than usual. (laughs) Mothman's always trying to hit me up, but he Mm. just doesn't understand. No means no. No Walmart parking lot, Mothman. Yeah. He's just, he he likes the lights at night, you know, (laughs) Mothman. I was looking and looking and I couldn't find anything and I wasn't really into the Christmas spirit this month. So I was watching a horror movie and it was talking about i can't even remember the name of it but spiritualism the christmas story no no i I hardly watched i think i watched Juan dolly parton christmas movie (laughs) unlike the angel and that was about it Mm. but in the movie they were going over spiritualism and 
it happened to be like the seances that they used to perform and how they were hoaxes. Well, that got me thinking because I know how popular they were. And in one of my episodes that I'm working on for Rotten was about Queen Victoria in the Victorian era is when spiritualism started to take off. Mm. And as I researched more and more, I built my story around the Victorian era's fascination with death and the spiritualism fad and the start of it and the con artist as well. Uh, People taking advantage of those in mourning. Mm. Spiritualism during the Victorian age was all the rage. The death rate in that time was nearly 60% among children and the average lifespan was 45 years old among the upper class, but only 22 to 25 years for the labor class. So basically our family, we would be dead by now. And you said this was the Victorian era? Yes. What time frame is that? That is around the 1800s, early 1900s. Did they get that name from Queen Victoria? Yeah. A lot that we do today was inspired by Queen Victoria. Like a good example is the white wedding dress. Before that, she's the first one to wear white wedding dresses. Mm. And a lot of our wedding traditions today stemmed from her royal wedding and what she chose to do. That's why I just kept researching and became kind of fascinated (laughs) by it. Tune into Rotten to the Core January 5th to find out about (laughs) (laughs) Queen Victoria and her rotten actions. Mix that with disease, famine, and the new factories. This was the time when factories were starting to rise up. New factories with zero safety practices. They didn't give two hoots about the safety of their workers. Mm -hmm. If you die or lose an arm, we'll replace you. And you get a generation of individuals who are very comfortable with death spiritualism took off because these people were so surrounded by death that it just didn't phase them the way it does people nowadays, most people. This was also a time when grave robbing was highly lucrative, especially in larger cities. Some cities grew too quickly and finding places to bury the dead became a real problem. Some cemeteries even had grave sites with several bodies buried on top of one another. Oftentimes, they'd say, Grandpa died, they'd go to dig his grave. Oh, there's a guy underneath them. There's not room. Well, that guy's been dead a few months. Toss him into the river, put Grandpa in there. That's great for Grandpa until he runs out of space for the next guy and Grandpa gets tossed into the river. Makes me really question like, ooh, I can just, (laughs) I want to take a water sample from back then. Just look under a microscope and see what little critters... (laughs) At that time, there were really only church burials. Everyone wanted their bodies to be entombed in holy ground and surrounded with their ancestors. Some churches would even swindle people by selling more space than they had. And when they ran out, they would chuck the older bodies into the nearest river. Honestly, once you were buried, there was no guarantee that you were going to rest in peace there forever. Even though staying asleep unbothered is probably my favorite thing to do while alive. I would be haunting people if they came at me when I'm dead. (laughs) This is my time. Death was so common that it left many people with a lot of unanswered questions and a hunger for answers. And soon, spirituality was taking off. This was also a time when memento more was popular. Those are those after-death photos that everybody's seen by now. 
Most people were too poor to have their photos taken, so it was often reserved for death. It was also usually the only photo most parents would have of their children, which is also another reason it became popular is my child's dead. I have no pictures of them. I at least want something to remember them by. We see it as morbid these days, but I can honestly understand that as a parent. Well, not as a parent, but if I were, even my dog, if she died, I'd want a picture if I didn't have any. Right. If you ever see one, fun fact, you can always tell who the dead person is. Sometimes you can see wires or stands holding them up, but back then photos took several minutes to shoot. So the person who is the clearest in those old photos, usually dead because everybody else, you know, even if you hold still, you're moving a little bit. And I looked at some of them and like the dead person's like crystal clear. And I'm like, oh, and some of them you're like, oh my God, they look alive. Like some, they'll put fake eyes in because the eyes are the first to go. Learned that, researching this. Learned all kinds of stuff about (laughs) dead people. Spirituality was so popular that both Abraham Lincoln and Queen Victoria were involved in at least one seance. Abraham was trying to contact his dead son and Victoria, her beloved husband. Now, as Shane knows, I am full-heartedly a believer in all of this. I use tarot, pendulums, meditation, and many other methods to try to connect with my guides. I don't do it with the intent to communicate with spirit, more for just to discover myself in the universe in which I live in. And I am a very visual person, so I receive images. I do not hear voices or anything of those sorts. Occasionally a feather, like the one I have on my (laughs) desk. Now, as you can imagine, this will be hard to believe, but some people took advantage of these poor mourning masses. Right. And... Let's see. Do I believe that some of these mediums were real and genuinely trying to help others? Yes, of course. But I believe most of them were just con artists taking advantage of suffering. And even though it is true, unless the client was later informed that it was fake, the customers still received closure from the fake seances. Most of them still provided them with a sense of closure. So even though they weren't specifically getting what they signed up for, they still received a benefit from it. These con artists weren't just whipping out crystal balls and rolling their eyes in the back of their heads. The performances became the it thing for the upper and middle classes. It was like going to a play. There were smoke, illusions, disembodied voices, tapping, candles lighting and self-extinguishing themselves. And they put on these shows and... If they were lucky or researched enough, they could make a decent living doing it. The actual start of spiritualism is believed to have begun with three specific women. The Fox sisters, Katie, Maggie, and Leah, who managed to swindle their way into a lucrative and famous career until they ultimately confessed to being scammers and lost everything. Now, do you remember playing tricks on our parents as we were little? More our father than our mom. <laughs> she was a crier. I remember cutting up his cigarettes and burying them in the backyard. Burying them in the sandbox. <laughs> the one I remember is you, he had a plastic runner rug that had these sharp, pointy yeah. little plastic turning pieces. Up, turn it and we down. turned it upside down. And I never felt bad about that because in my brain, I'm like, he could have took one step, ow, step mm-hmm. off. But he took one step and then walked the rest of the way down the hall. Yeah. Ow, ow, ow. So whenever I think of playing a trick on a parent, that's always my first 
All in good fun. All in good fun. Well, that is how the Fox sisters got their start, all out of a simple trick on their mother. After just tying a string to apples and bouncing them on the steps upstairs to create the sound of footsteps, they planned to end it several days later with a finale by communicating with the fake spirit by tapping. But their mother, being in a small little area, quickly told the neighbors that the house was haunted and they didn't have cable. They wanted to come see too. Not a lot of entertainment. And the sisters were soon thrown into the world of spirituality. Eventually, the eldest sister came home and joined, and that's when they really got their start in the seances. She masterminded this plan of deceit. They had told her it was fake, but she's like, no, I came home already believing it was real, (laughs) so we're going to make some money out of this. The trio quickly skyrocketed to some of the most sought-after mediums in the entire world. They started to have seances that continued to grow in numbers, not only in fans, but protesters as well. As you can imagine, some religious people felt the sisters were in league with the devil and would often protest and threaten them to stop, almost as if they were trying to force their lifestyle choices on others. (laughs) The younger sisters, Maggie and Kate, played the role of the mediums, while Leah was the translator. They had a unique communication system by tapping, once meaning yes and twice was for no. Demand for their show became so popular that they soon played in larger venues and faced even more pressure with every performance. Each one had to be bigger and better than the last. Mm. When the popularity of spiritualism took off, though, medium shows were coming out of the woodwork. These newer mediums added better performance effects like flipping tables, people levitating, and even taking ghostly photos where a ghost image would appear in the photo with the person. And the once sought-after seances of the Fox sisters soon started growing smaller and smaller. Eventually, the sisters wanted to break away from spirituality. They were women, and at that time, women couldn't really do much unless they were married. So, they all wanted to get married and start families. They wanted to just get away from the spiritualism and just live normal lives as married women and mothers. Sure. The old rapping of the one sister's big toe just wasn't cutting the trick anymore, and as their fame dwindled and their built-up guilt of deceiving others for years, the sisters Katie and Maggie were soon drowning their sorrows in alcoholism. Because not only were they guilt-ridden from deceiving people for so many years, at that time, a lot of men really weren't seeking psychic wives. They Mm -hmm. don't want that type of woman and raising their children, et cetera, et cetera. So, the dating pool was not, it was a puddle, a dried up little puddle for them. At one point, the sisters were so guilt-ridden and broke that Katie and Maggie publicly confessed to everything being a scam after being paid $1,400 to do so. Even after they came out and said it was all fake, there were still skeptics that said that they were forced to say it because of their dire need for money. The oldest sister, Leah, even stated that they were lying, but seeing how she was the one who masterminded the continued con, I can see why she would attempt to cover up their mishap. Mm -hmm. 
The Fox sisters still to this day are recognized as the birth mothers of spirituality, a practice that has become even more popular today. Sadly, the sisters all died single, penniless, and mostly homeless. They were staying at friends' houses when they could, just relying on the charity of their friends until they just died. To me, even though they did take advantage of people, they still brought joy to people in doing that. And I don't know, they died in such a bad way where it makes me feel bad for them. Right. (laughs) Sadly, the sisters all died single, penniless, and mostly homeless, relying on the charity of their friends to get by. And the once world-famous mediums were now the same restless spirits that they had spent their lives trying to communicate with. And that's my spiel on the spirituality. I wanted to use them because they were the first and from their beginnings, the whole, every other con artist and spirituality was derived from their beginnings. Mm. So, I was trying to find the worst one and I couldn't, I couldn't decide. So, instead of the worst, I chose the first. And these were the, I guess, training book for how to con grieving people out of their money. Right. Which, as I said earlier, they were conning them, a lot of them. I do believe in psychics and mediums, so I believe some of them were real and genuine, but they were still being conned by the majority. But they still benefited from it, unless they were told later, oh, they were fake. They still believed, great-grandma told me I was pretty. Right. (laughs) Yeah. It's funny, though, because, of course, I didn't know what your topic was going to be, but when it comes to psychics and mediums, especially in the true crime world, there are people who really either believe in them or very strong critics of them. And just... I'm a bit of both. Yeah, I'm especially because you know that there are going to be those who are going to want to take advantage of people in any field, whether it be this or whatever field you can imagine. But for those people who are very critical of any type of psychics, some of them are also very critical of anyone who believes in them. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, so it, uh, from just our upbringing, oh, don't believe in psychics or yeah, mediums, Just because of our religious That's raising. That's the devil. Right. We couldn't even, <laughs> we even got criticism as children from some of our religious family members for watching Harry Potter. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I remember having the book and they're like, that's the devil's book. I remember our Pokemon cards were taken away because in Japan they call cartoons and creatures like that demons. Mm-hmm. It's not the same demon as American Christians believe in, but yeah. that Sunday the preacher was, they are demons and Pokemon. And then right. the next following Monday, we come back from school and, oh, where are our invested and time-consumed Pokemon cards? Like, I had a whole mm-hmm. binder full of them. Where are they at? <laughs> you know how much money you spent on those? <laughs> Do you know how much money they would have been worth by now? I know. Before we leave, though, Josh, I have a cool idea. We've not talked about this, but, of course, like, now we're over an hour and talking, but there are some things that I wanted to still talk about, but I thought it would be kind of cool to give people who may not care for more conversational talk between us. Mm -hmm. Because I know a lot of people just want the nitty gritty of the mysteries that we're talking about, and they don't really care for our back and forth as much. So they've already gotten more than an hour of that. So I thought, let's just do a separate recording after this 
and we can throw it out as anyone who would like to join us on Patreon, or we can also release it out on Apple Podcasts. There is a premium version, so we'll start releasing those. What should we call that? Should we call it like Mystery Inc. After Dark or something fun, you know, because... We can always talk a little candid. We don't have to keep it because we try to keep our normal episodes a little PG 13 because I cuss a lot in real life, people. So (laughs) this is, I am toning it down for you. Well, and because if we have to mark an episode for anyone who's not a podcast fanatic, if we have to mark an episode as explicit, it means that it will remove it from some countries actually exactly some countries cannot listen to explicit episodes even so, the music we use some countries yeah won't so if it. we say the f word and then we have to mark it as explicit then some countries are no longer able to get that episode or it could mean that the entire podcast then has to be marked as explicit in that country meaning that our episode or our podcast can no longer be listened to by people in that country. That's something that I learned a long time ago in podcasting. So I'm very careful on any podcast I do just to try to not say things that will limit people who can listen. But in a Patreon or a premium version, because there is a paywall that people can have to pay to get in, and we'll start it out as really low, maybe $3 to join. Okay. So if you go ahead and join now, it's going to be really, really cheap. Because we would like you guys to join us. We are planning not only releasing this additional time for us talking, but Josh and I are also going to be going out on a little trip in March. Road trip. Yeah, in the Mystery Machine Tesla. And for all of you people who are emailing me asking if it's real. It is. It's real. My 33-year-old older brother has a Mystery Machine Tesla. Yeah, it's... When he got it, I said, I'm not too take away from anything else you've done. But I think this is the most (laughs) jealous I've ever been from you. But if you do join us on Patreon, just to let you know, I am filthy, raunchy, horrible. (laughs) (laughs) Listen to it in headphones. When I record for a podcast, I I worked at a nursing home before, and I, I love me some older women. Like, that was one of my favorite jobs ever. And when I record, I always have it in my head. Say as if you were in a room right. full of 90-year-old women, which I have a lot of experience. Yeah. Or if someone's child could be listening. or you That's, know. that's I, I like old people more than yeah. children. <laughs> but, but if you're paying to listen, then you're going to get a little more candid conversation between Josh and I. But if you do join, I'm going to just tell you immediately that I am friends with one of probably the world's most popular psychics. And I'll talk to you, Josh. We'll have a conversation about... When I first met him and what that was like. He FaceTimed me. Yeah, it was funny. Just Which I want to know what you told him because he was kind of rude to me. And I'm like, why is he coming at me? Because like, I mean, It was at a Cracker Barrel, too. At that point, I was like, listen, honey, I don't know who the hell you think you are, but I will cut your little bald ass and wrap it with your scarf. Right. Come at me. But thank you for the Christmas gifts that year. I love my scarf. I wear it all right. the time. So that might give you guys a hint of who it is, but we will talk about it. And are we going to call it after dark? What are we going to talk? Call it. Uh, I'll have to brainstorm. All right. Well, uh, it, it will be Mr. named Inks by the time you find it, <laughs> but you can find it in the show notes. There'll be a link. We have a website now. It's mysteryinc.com. 
the Patreon account will be in the show notes as well. Josh, we have an Instagram. What's the Instagram handle? Well, if you enjoyed this episode of Mystery Inc., check out one of our other podcasts, Foul Play, hosted by Shane, or Rotten to the Core, hosted by me, if you enjoy history with a little dark humor. This podcast and those are available anywhere you enjoy your favorite podcast. And you can also find us on Instagram at It's Mystery Inc. And thank you for your support. <laughs> Sweet. We also do have a Facebook page. The Facebook link is facebook.com slash It's Mystery Inc. And of course, the Facebook page is Mystery Inc. Podcast. All right, Josh, let's go ahead and start. We'll just record our first Patreon episode. 